Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode number 18. Can you believe it? We're only two away from 20, and then it's like, you know, then we're in the 20s, and it's awesome. So um, my guest today, uh, I'm very excited. I've been really looking forward to this. We had to reschedule and reschedule and all that stuff. We, it's finally happening, guys. Um, my guest today is she's an author. She's a revivalist. She's a missionary. And she's the director of Saturate Global. Let's welcome my guest today, Jesse Green. Hi. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yes. Nice to meet you. I'm yeah. so stoked for today. We're going to have yeah. so much fun. Oh, yes. Stoked is the right word. So, um, Jesse, uh, there's some people that don't know who you are, like my sister. Uh, I was talking to her. And she's like, who's Jesse Green? I was like, you know, Jesse Green, you know? Uh, and, uh, and so why don't you just give a quick introduction of who you are and kind of maybe your background a little bit, where you came from, and then we'll get going. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Jesse Green. <laughs> nice to meet you all. Um, I right now I'm living in North Carolina with my husband, Parker. We have three little kids under five years old, which is crazy and insane. Um, we just moved here from Southern California. And prior to that, I was in New York City lived right by Wall Street, and uh, basically grew up in the church, fell away from the church, wanted nothing to do with Jesus for a very long time, and uh, basically worked in the nightclub industry for years as a doorman, working with celebrities and the fashion industry, New York Fashion Week, all of that. Um, long story short, had depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, the buffet of demonic things that come into your life when you're not following Jesus. Oh, yeah. And God rescued me. Um, that was back in 2009, had a crazy encounter with God. Since then, have been all around the world as a missionary and then started revivals in 2020 in Southern California. That was global news. Um, the LA Times were actually the first people to call it revival, which wow. that never happens. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and since then, we've just been on a journey of igniting revival across mm. America. Amazing. You, I'd, um, I'd seen you commenting one time about um, when you got saved, you went into like, you were like, you decided I'm going to go around the world and I'm going to, uh, you know, experience God around the world, or I'm going to preach the gospel around the world. And you said something about like, you went into like a travel store in stilettos. <laughs> I love that. They're like, Oh, it was the worst. Cause I was working in the nightclub industry. Yeah. So work starts at 10 PM. If you are in the nightclub industry and I signed up to do a year long missions trip. And I needed a backpack for my belongings. And so I went into this outdoor store, like dressed for nightclubs and had five inch heels on. And the guy was like, are you sure you know what you're signing up for? Yeah, that's so great. That's so great. So when you actually went, was there, um, were you so just in the zone with Jesus or was there a little bit of like shock of like, wow, this is a lot different than what I'm used to? I would say probably both. I mean, mm. I, at that point, was all in with Jesus. I 
was obsessed with the fact that God was actually real. I just mm. couldn't get over this idea that Christianity was more than just morality, that you could mm. talk to God, you could yeah. hear God's voice, that yeah. people could be healed, that miracles are real. And so, mm. um, I mean, the craziest things happened on my mission trip. I was robbed at gunpoint in Africa. Oh, okay. um, really crazy stuff happened. Mm. And at the same time, though, with seeing people healed of cancer mm. and hearing God speak for the first time in my whole life. And so that just kind of fueled me that mm. like, no matter what was happening, I didn't really care because I just wanted God. Mm. That's great. Did you have any Christians in your family or was it, were you like a first generation Christian? So my mom is a Christian. So is my stepdad. Um, I actually grew up as a little kid in the Vineyard Church. Okay. Um, I was yeah. in, at Toronto at eight years old. Um, mm. But then we moved when I was in middle school and the church we went to in middle school um, didn't talk about the Holy Spirit at all. It was very like theological um, and really just had no power. It was mm -hmm. kind of a sleeping church. Yep. Yep. And so I just kind of really formed my, I guess, my idea of Christianity in that age. Um, and I just was like, gosh, Christianity is boring. Mm -hmm. These people are boring and yeah. kind of weird. And yeah. I just was like, I'm going to go to University of Miami and go after the good life. <laughs> mm -hmm. The good life. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. good life. As so yes. it's marketed. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. So when you actually, was it like an instantaneous thing where you started to kind of, oh my goodness, I, I can hear God. Like when you got saved, what was it an instantaneous thing on your own or did, did people tell you, but you know, you can hear God for yourself. How, how did that process? Yeah. Start? So, well, my first like encounter when I got saved in my bedroom in New York, um, essentially I cried out to God and just said, God, if you're real, like you have to take my pain away. Cause I had such bad depression and mm. wanted to end my life. And literally like the tangible presence of God was in my room and I freaked out. Mm. I, I, it actually like terrified me to mm. a degree. Um, and then uh, basically as I went on my missions trip, um, when I was in Australia, I ended up going to this random conference that I found in Australia. And I just found out like probably four months ago who the speaker was, because I had never known until four months ago, but the speaker wow. was um, Life or Leif Hetland. Okay. And yeah. he prayed and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I got filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden I started hearing God speaking to me. Mm. And I was like, wait, this is so crazy. And I started having dreams that I would like later all of a sudden see were in scripture and like mm. new things about God that I never studied or heard before. Yeah. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. Yeah. It's interesting because I grew up very much in a, a church that was that discouraged, um, you know, so much like even like discouraging hearing the voice of God for yourself uh, in a tangible way, like you described. Right. And like I was experiencing once I became a Christian, um, you know, it's very just it's all about the word. It's just the word. And they would mention the Holy Spirit, but it was always right. kind of like and then there's the Holy Spirit, but the word, you know, um, right. and 
And so uh, I can definitely relate in that regard. Um, but your, your, your experience is such a testimony to, you know, I see a lot of people discouraged. No, God doesn't speak today. He only speaks through his word. Um, and it's, we're only looking to the past events. And so anytime Jesus says, you know, like greater things than these, will you do? They look right. at it like, oh, well, that was just, he was speaking to his disciples, you know? <laughs> um, and so your, your experience is such a, um, uh, proves what a house of cards, that type of theology is. And I love it. And it like, it just, it just basically just like, it shows it for the house of cards that it is. So I love it. Oh, totally. I feel like that's like one of my biggest passions is being like, don't believe the lie. Yeah. Like there, <laughs> if you're thinking there's more, yeah. there is more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Well, and the thing I love about your testimony, and this is something that um, as I started following you, I started hearing more about this is <clears throat> when you moved down to California, it was not an easy thing. Like you had heard God say to you and your husband, go to California. But then it was like four years of nothing, right? Oh, it was the worst. Yeah. I, <laughs> I literally am like, God, please never make me live yeah. that season ever again. Because yeah. we, so my husband and I met in New York City. Um, he was in full-time ministry. I actually was running a creative agency in New York. And mm -hmm. we went to the same church in New York City. This is after I got born again. Mm -hmm. And I had so many dreams for New York and we were really starting to see those things come into fruition. And um, we were doing tons of evangelism in New York City, seeing tons of people getting saved. Um, and honestly, like a lot of the prophetic words over my life, a lot of the promises from God were just coming to pass. Mm. We just moved into a luxury doorman building in New York, which takes a long time to get from <laughs> one place to that place. <laughs> And we were like doing good things for God. And yeah. God essentially asked us to lay all of that down. Um, and uh, my husband was fasting for 21 days and like mm. a real fast, like just drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> and God basically showed us that he was going to start revival in California mm. And that it would be a revival that goes all across the nations, but it was going to start in Orange County. And I didn't know anything about revival history, about the Jesus people movement. Like mm -hmm. I, I didn't know any of that. Mm -hmm. I went on a journey of like studying and discovering that, but, um, really we, it was really an, an invitation and we felt like God was saying like, you can still do like really great things in New York. Or you can be a part of starting revival in California. Yeah. And when we went to California, I mean, I thought we we laid down everything, our salaries, our friendships. Um, mm -hmm. We had just had our first child and moved out there when he was two months old. And we got there and I was like, all right, we are obedient. We're mm -hmm. going to go out to Huntington Beach Pier. <laughs> there are going to be thousands of people that like heard from the Lord to show up. And we're going to start leading revival. Like here, here we are. Mm. And that did not happen at mm. all for a very long time. Mm. And it was, I mean, I'd go out there like on a Friday night sharing the gospel and no one would get saved, like not one person. 
And I was like, did we hear from God wrong? We were seeing more people saved in New York. No one's getting saved. We have no friends. Um, Mm. And we had no money. We had put down our salaries and we were support raising as missionaries and literally could barely pay rent every month for, and that went on for three years, like basically praying that God would provide for our income that we could pay rent. Mm-hmm. So it was a really crazy wild season. Mm-hmm. And during that season, was it one of those? Cause sometimes I've had times where it, it, God is, I can feel God there, but hearing him, it's almost like he's in a different place and is drawing me towards him. And it's like taking time to learn how to hear him in that season. Was it one of those things too, or was it, you always heard God too, but you just didn't see any fruit. Well, what's so crazy is I actually feel like in that season is where um, like the prophetic side of me really started to turn on. Um, Because up until that point, I would say I mostly functioned as like an evangelist, Mm -hmm. Um, really was passionate about the lost, really could care less about the church at that point. Mm. And then all of a sudden things started to switch and I started to get tons of visions Um, God would speak to me about what he was doing on the earth. Mm -hmm. And I would just like write it in my journal. Like Mm -hmm. we, no one knew who we were. So like, no one was like waiting for like me to release this word. (laughs) And (laughs) it was just kind of learning how to really seek God on what was the new thing that he was doing. And I just kept hearing, like, he was going to do something new. Everything was about to change. We were entering into a threshing floor season Mm -hmm. And that God was going to use my husband, Parker, and I to be pioneers in this new season, Mm. but it would require for us to allow everything that we knew before to die away. Mm. And so we were kind of in this like dying season, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yep, it does. Yeah. And I think that I really wanted to hit on that, Um, you know your the your process of basically going through uh the gauntlet basically um and because there are people watching this who have stepped out and are seeing no fruit like i have friends who are in the film industry or trying to get into the film industry and have been there for a couple of years now more than that and are being like did i hear god like i could yeah. you know and it's like when in those moments when you're tested like that, or you're having to endure something, it is important to remind yourself of the promises of God. It's important to write them down or do a video of, of yourself before you go and do the thing so you can watch it again. And, uh, you know, totally. So I just, I love, I love that because it's, we've all gone through seasons where we've been like, is this, (laughs) is this God? Like, is this, you know? Um, and so to endure like that, I mean, hold to those promises is so huge. And you're a living testimony of that. So, yeah. And the reality is, is like, I mean, sometimes you get it wrong, right? Like Mm -hmm. there have been so many times where I was certain that I heard from God, took a risk and was off or heard from God wrong. And, Mm -hmm. but the thing is, is I think sometimes we forget that like, he is actually God and he is actually a good father that Mm -hmm. wants to lead us. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like, Oh man, I was trying to follow God and I totally missed it. Now he's never going to speak to me again or Mm -hmm. use me ever again. Mm -hmm. 
But um, I would say in that season, we as a family really picked up our, our family motto, which is um, obedience is success. Mm. And for us, like we have it in, hanging in our house, obedience to success so that even mm. if we miss it, or even if nothing happens that seems supernatural or amazing, we want to be the kind of people that God knows, like we're trying to obey him the best we can. And, you know, in that first year in California, I was measuring my success by like, how many people were showing up to mm. us preaching the gospel or, you know, and no one was there. And I just kept thinking, okay, I got to change my paradigm of what success in ministry looks like, yeah. because I know that God's asking me to do this and no one's here. Yeah. And so I think when we can, all of us start to say, okay, you know, what? I just want to be the kind of person where God can trust me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're going to be an outlier too. Sometimes mm -hmm. you may be five years ahead mm -hmm. of what he's Good. doing and it's not looking successful right now because it's not the hour yet, but then all of a sudden something will switch and kind of click into place. And that resounding OP, I think that resounding obedience is what will take you into that next season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for those that, I mean, this may seem like an obvious question to some, but um, would you say that that is a continual process of, uh, of obedience leads to success and having to be reminded of that? Oh my goodness. It's like the worst reminding process. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's crazy because the thing is, is like, God will keep pushing you further and further too. So mm. for example, summer 2020, we do these beach revivals and keep in mind five years, I've been holding on to this vision, right? And now it's coming to pass. There's thousands of people showing up to the beach. We're seeing massive salvations, deliverance, healings, glow, like BBC News, Sky News, LA Times are there. I have their personal contacts and they're like, let us know the news first. And at the same time, we have our biggest weekend at Pirates Cove and it's wild. Like it's what everyone's praying for in regards to revival to happen in their churches. And it's happening right there on the beaches. It's like the wild west. You're on like, like the top of the mountain, right? And then I'm in my secret place time and I'm praying and the Lord mm. says, this is the last weekend, shut it down until I tell you to go again. Okay. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, no, God. And he was like, is, is this yours to own? And I just remember being like, oh my goodness. Like I really grieved. And we, we said we weren't going to do any more meetings. And I, I literally got thousands of emails from people telling me mm. that I heard from God wrong, um, that like this was basically like what everyone had been praying for. And God just kept saying to me, just wait. Like mm. he actually said, I, I don't want to misquote him. He said, just wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. Wow. And he said that this is the beginning of the end time harvest, the revival mm -hmm. of all revivals, but it's not going to look the way it looked in the past. It's not going to be like weekly meetings one after the other, but it's going to be this ebb and flow thing. 
And that requires that full surrender of like, okay, God, you're actually in control and I'm just going to do whatever it is that you're telling me to do. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. Now back to the show. So Jesse, what would you say to, you know, a lot of people are 100% on board with what you're saying in terms of like, yes, like revival is happening. You know, we are in the, 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 we're, it is in now the, would you say it's in the beginning of of the, the revival? Is that what you, would you say? Yeah. I would say, um, so last October, so after we stopped doing the meetings, um, I was praying and just asking God, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I feel like some, the word that the Lord keeps telling me now is like, as we wait with expectation, it's like, we're on our front foot, right? Like we're, we're, we're ready. We're, we're like just chomping at the bit, just ready for what he's going to do. We're not waiting apathetically. And as I was praying, I, I saw this vision of these seven waves that were coming in. And God said, he was like, what you experienced at the beach was just the beginning of the mm. first wave of what I'm about to pour out. And for me, I honestly like, and people watching probably don't totally realize, but when I laid that down, I was like, oh gosh, now am I going back into a hidden season forever? Um, because that was the only vision I had had up until that point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, God, what are you doing? And he just said, he's like, it was what we did on the beach was just a prophetic sign of what's oh, going to wow. be released in every city. I think this revival is not going to be contained to one location like Toronto or Brownsville or Azusa. Yeah. I think it's going to be everywhere with all of the saints involved. Yeah. I think that's why media is so important in this hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just see God connecting different streams, connecting different people. But I think we're in the very, very beginning of what I think is going to be the greatest harvest of all times. And Amen. I mean, we're seeing it like even this last summer, we saw twice as many salvations than we did at the beach revivals in Orange mm. County. Oh my goodness. So, um, I realized I didn't, I didn't fully complete my, my question. I got <laughs> sidetracked. Um, You're good. So, yeah. So um, my question is, what would you say to people who are watching this, who are like, I don't see revival. I don't know what you're talking about. All I see is division in the streets, this politician doing that rights being taken away over here, this happening in that country. I don't see it. What would you say to those people? Okay. Two things I would say. One is we do not look at the way that the world is functioning as our like compass as to what's actually happening. So we actually do in reality have access to God who has plans, has purposes. I mean, we know that Jesus is coming back. That's guaranteed in scripture. And we're closer to that time than we were yesterday And the reality is, is that there are so many people that aren't full of the Holy Spirit in the church and as well as people that are suffering outside of it. And so the first thing is, is that we don't look at the circumstances to gauge what's happening. We we have to get into the secret place. We have to spend time with God. We have to listen to the prophets that are saying, like, this is what's happening And we actually need to engage in culture because 
there, there is a war happening right now and we actually need to be involved in what's going on. Mm. And then the second thing is, I mean, our generation, especially, and the generation Gen Z and beyond mm -hmm. that's coming up, yeah. we have to look at revival history. And mm. I know sometimes it's not fun, but I would say like, I'm being spiritually fathered by Charles Finney. Mm. And looking at the first great awakening, the second great awakening, looking at these past revivals and seeing mm, like, okay, there are patterns to how God moves. It's not random. It's not spontaneous. He mm. has strategies. And historically speaking, what gets me so pumped is historically speaking, every time we've had great revival on this earth, every single time is when things look the worst. Mm, yep. That is like the perfect yep. time for revival. Yep. Look it up, people. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't think we could have had a revival five years ago. Things were too easy. But mm. when you see what's happening, you see what's happening in politics, in social justice movements, all these things, you're like, oh, we are so primed for revival. Oh, big it's, time. It's crazy. Yeah. And one the testimonies that I've seen from, you know, people that have been on this show and other places is that whereas before, you know, yeah, there was a revival in a specific place, but there are people that are going will go to to meetings and get hit with the glory and then they go to other meetings and these are just you know, lay people. They're just like normal people, right. you know, and they'll go to other meetings and the glory goes with them and it just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. Have you seen that to be the case as well? Absolutely. Yeah. The word that God gave me um, in 2016 was that this revival was like a ripple effect mm. and that it, that's why it wasn't going to be contained by just one city or one person. Even I even think that God's even raising up way more people that we have never even heard of before like most people a year ago have never even heard my name. And it's like God's accelerating things because mm -hmm. of secret faithfulness. And I think mm -hmm. there's lots of people in our generation that are like that, yeah. that all of a sudden you're going to be like, who was, who is this person? Mm -hmm. And they're going to function in like the level of anointing that Benny Hinn, Catherine Coleman, mm -hmm. um, William Seymour, these people had. And you're just going to be like, oh, they just seem just like me. And that's mm -hmm. exactly the point. They are yeah. just like you. And yeah. we all have, I think, an invitation to really be a part of this move of God. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to something you said where you were talking about how there are a lot of Christians who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. What, what, I'm sure this is a really, really multifaceted question and answer but what what is the solution to that be filled with the holy spirit yes. <laughs> but like no, say but you're at a church and you are filled with the holy spirit and you're surrounded by people who are not um yeah is it a matter of i mean i'm sure like i said it's like a yes to all of these is it as simple as hey just start praying for people hey uh start uh you know doing meetings of you know, revival meetings or doing this and that and that, like, what would you say? Yes to all of those and more? Um, yes and no. Okay. So okay. I'm going to say something that like our generation especially hates and I'm just going to say it yep. because I think sometimes that we rob ourselves of the, the thing that we're actually looking for. And the mm. reality is, is that, um, 
if you're not seeing the fullness of God moving in your life, if it seems like your Christianity is not really working, like I would say, don't be the only person like on fire in your church, Mm. unless like God has specifically asked you to do that. I talk to people all the time. I get emails all the time. People are like, I came to Saturday event. I'm on fire. And now I'm going to be this like ninja in the church and like turn the whole church over. And I'm like, a, if you don't have like the spiritual authority to do that, like it's just not going to work. And yeah, you're probably going to be the person that your lead pastor wants to leave the church. Um, <laughs> and then the other please thing leave. too, yeah. yeah, please leave. You are being really, really annoying. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, here's the reality. We're not supposed to be these lone rangers. And mm. for very prophetic people, that's sometimes hard because you feel like, Like, where do I belong? Where do I fit? But I'm like, okay, we do have social media, which is so amazing. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I'm like, go find other people that are burning Mm -hmm. and go get around them. So I'm like, for me, even like, I am really intentional about staying connected to spiritual mothers and fathers that are further ahead of me of like coming under their authority and they can tell me, no, you're wrong, Jesse. Like you didn't hear from God, right? Or maybe you shouldn't do this or you need to repent of that. Um, And then also like, I just think we're not supposed to be doing this by ourselves. Mm, And so go find other people that seem like they're on fire. Like maybe go to an event, like one of ours or the many other ones that are happening just go and get yourself ignited and go make some friends. Mm. And like one of my closest friends lives in Brazil Mm. and we text each other all the time about like, keep going, you got this. And Mm. we're like spurring each other on. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah. So good. So good. So let's get to point number two. Finally, uh, everybody (laughs) We're we're jamming, we're jamming everybody. Um, so um, this is a great kind of segue. This is also the title of the episode, The Now Versus the Promise. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I think the hardest thing for so many of us is navigating this tension, right? Between, okay, this is what God's doing, or this is what's been prophesied over mm-hmm. my life, or this is what I know that he wants to do through me. And that's not what my life looks like at all right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that every single one of us, especially if you're called to influence others to a great measure, I think every single one of us walks through this process of like the reality of life right now and the mundane, ordinary life and what we believe that we're called to. Right. And mm-hmm. so um, I think it's really important to first of all, steward those prophetic words that are over your life, Mm -hmm. but also really like figuring out how do you actually enter into them? And I just see so many people in our generation being taken out because it doesn't happen immediately. And I I just think that if we don't get a grasp of this, um, like we got to kind of play the long game a little bit, you know? I think that's really good. So, um, I mean, because this this point is right where I'm at, where I've been praying for people out and about and nothing happens that I can see. And it's just a great um, reminder. So my question would be, and this is one that will benefit me as well. 
Cause there is a degree of like, when you pray for somebody, a lot of times people are really thankful that you prayed for them, but then there's nothing that you don't, they don't see the fruit of that happening maybe right in front of them. I, I don't want to be so naive as to say, no one's getting healed. No one's getting healed that I can see, but I don't know if the, you know, this person or that person, 20 minutes later when they're alone and they're talking to God, all of a sudden he's like, boom. And he hits, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's not my job, you know, but there is a degree of being, uh, I don't want to, you know, I feel bad. Cause I'm like, I don't want to let people down. You know, there's people are so hopeful and they're like, they're, they're fully engaged. So what would you say to something like that? Like people that yeah. are like me who are praying for people that aren't seeing people get healed right in front of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's a fair thing to wrestle with. I mean, mm -hmm. I did myself. There was one point where Parker and I were walking down the beach and I said, I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I can't say that I believe in healing and like not see people healed. Like I'm just, and I was like, I'm going to create a YouTube video and say like, we're hypocrites and liars because like, I just don't know if God does this. And he was like, okay, just relax for a moment. <laughs> don't like do my that. Wife to me. Yeah. 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 And, um, I think sometimes we can like go so extreme with things. And I think the reality is, is okay. A there is again, the obedience to success. So, mm -hmm. um, practicing hearing God risking and doing it because you believe God told you to do something. Right. But then also like, be real with God. Yeah. So I would never like hold back from God. I would say like, God, I'm really annoyed. Like I'm tired of praying for people and not seeing them healed. Like you have to do something. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, and uh, this sometimes goes against popular teaching, but it is better to pray for people and see them saved than to see them not saved, right? Mm, yeah. And it is better to see them healed when you lay hands on them. Like it's it's more exciting, it's more fun. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that, that God wants us to be able to access that. Mm. And so I sometimes think he allows that gap though to increase the hunger in us. Mm. And so I would say even like, go find people that are functioning in those anointings mm. and That's it's good. working. That's really good. So I've sat under like leadership of people that were doing deliverance. And when they prayed for people, like demons actually came out. Mm. And so I was like, teach me because when I pray for people, demons aren't coming out. Yeah. And now I can literally say like this last year, we've cast out demons out of thousands of oh, people. Wow. Come on. And right on the streets, like we were just in San Francisco three weeks ago and it was like, boom, boom, boom. Mm. And it, it it works now. So I would say if it's not working for you, go find someone that it is working for mm. and ask them to teach you. That's really good. That's really good. I'm going to make note of that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Um, yeah. So uh, what's this uh, thing? It says picking up pennies to be trusted with souls. What's that? Okay. So uh, basically like I kept getting all these prophetic words that I would see thousands of people saved, millions of people saved one day. And so I was like holding on to that word and I was like, okay, God, like, yes, like give me souls. I want to see like mass crusades and evangelism breakout. And we were living in New York city and 
as I would pray, like God would just tell me to pick up pennies off the sidewalk. And I would walk down the street and see it. And so much so I would hear the Holy Spirit, like I would be going down the subway and I would see a penny on the ground and I would walk past it. And the Holy Spirit would be like, no, 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 go back and pick up that penny. And I was like, this is so weird, really annoying. I'm like collecting all these pennies, kind yeah. of a waste of time. Yeah. And for a year I did this. And eventually, like, I was like, God, all the time, like, what is with this penny thing? And one day he just dropped it down on me and he said, Jesse, I'm having you pick up pennies for a year because I needed to see if I could trust you with something that had no worth before I could trust you with what has the greatest worth, which is a soul. Wow. And all of a sudden it like hit me and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, like, right. Like, would I be willing to do something that seems mundane, ordinary, because it was important to God. Mm. And I think sometimes we want to see people healed. We want to see people saved but we want to see it for ourselves and we don't want to see it because it actually has worth to God. Mm. And for me, it was like this paradigm shift had to happen where I was like, okay, God, I want you to be able to trust me with mundane things so you could trust me with mm. people. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a story that's not as glamorous as yours, <laughs> as, but it was, it was something that God taught me personally. And it, he was teaching me obedience, self-control, humility um, when I was, you know, in my early 20s. Um, uh, and he had me for, I want to say like two years, probably anytime I went into a public restroom to clean it up and there would be pee on the seats and there was pee <laughs> on the floor. And so I would be in there, like people would come in and I'm like on my hands and knees. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. And, yeah, super <laughs> gross. But uh, it was it was a season where it was just like this doesn't make sense, but I know I know I'm supposed to do it, you know. And so, um, and that was what God taught me through that was just being patient because at that time, especially, I was a young buck and I was in missions and I was like, I'm going to go do all these things. And um, and it definitely was. It taught me <laughs> to slow down and to really be attentive and to, um, but nothing like winning souls, but it was a process. It was a process oh, to where yeah. I am now. So sometimes those my husband went through stuff. that same process. He was had he got asked him to be a janitor for a mm. year, and same thing. And his biggest thing was like, how does poop get on the wall? <laughs> like, how does that physically actually even happen? Like, yeah. and that was his like big aha thing from that lesson was like. I'm just I don't even know how poop gets on the wall, yeah. and that in itself is like worth its own discovery. It, it, oh yes, I got another story. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So um I I think that there's, you know, when being obedient and stepping out and hearing God, there is a a degree of of fear because there are people within the church, unfortunately, the second you hear something wrong, are like, that's it, you're going to hell. Um, right. and I think that. That's not been my experience with God at all. Like God wants us to hear him. God wants us. Like he's so excited. Like Jesse, when you were first learning to hear God, he was so excited that you were actually in a world where people don't want to even talk to God. They don't even want to listen to God. You right. chose, you were like, I, 
I want to hear what you have to say. And I think that's such a powerful um, thing it, it, is that like God wants us to hear him. Um, and, yeah, th- and it's a process. I think that's, I'm so glad you're talking about that because I think that I, I just preached about this this last week. And so it's crazy that we're even mm. going. So I'm glad we were scheduled. Otherwise I wouldn't have. Way to go, Holy mind. Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. But help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. It's like when you all of a sudden have this like aha moment where you're like, Like, I remember praying seemed really mundane to me when I was in high school because it was like this religious thing. But now I'm like, oh, my goodness, like God who created the whole universe, Mm. like who thought of all of this, Mm -hmm. like wants to talk to me. Mm. And it was like this shift in perspective where all of a sudden I was like, oh, my goodness, like when I pray. Like I can actually talk to God about what he thinks about things. Mm. And it really changed prayer for me. It changed fasting for me. It changed obedience for me even because it was like, even obedience, I will say this. It's like when you understand the character and nature of God, these things become so much easier Because I'm like, at this point, at first, obedience was hard. Whereas now, like, I just gave away a Jeep Wrangler that, like, was a brand new Jeep Wrangler because God asked me to do it. And it was hard and easy because now at this point, I know the character of God where I'm like, if you're asking me to do something, what in the world do you have planned? Because you're so much better than what I think you are. Mm-hmm. So you're probably leading me into something that I could never think of for myself. Yeah. That's so good. That, so, yeah. yeah, that's great. <laughs> yes. Yes to that. Yeah. Cause um, like there are times it's not that we give or we do things cause we're like, and God, you're going to give me something better. It's right. just the way God is. That's the way he does things, you know? And so right. I know for you're this, I would, I would definitely assume that you're the same way and it's a safe assumption. I am too, where it's like, I don't, I don't give because I'm going to get something better. I just do it, you know? And it, the giving is often a reward in and of itself to, it feels good. Absolutely. Like it actually feels good to like, even a prophetic word that you give somebody that's accurate and you see God do some kind of breakthrough for them in that moment, like that in and of itself, that act of obedience is, is like, it's great. It like that alone is, is a reward, but then God's like, Oh, and by the way, here's a, here's a spaceship. I don't know. (laughs) So no, it is true though. I'll say like, it's so funny because I think sometimes when I'm ministering, people are shocked by me because I'm always in shock of how real and near God is. So even when you release a prophetic word, like this weekend I was praying and prophesying over someone and God was just like downloading all this stuff to me about them. And so I'm praying for them and they're like, how do you know this? And I'm like, honestly, this is so crazy. Like, I just can't believe that God would trust me to say this to you. Mm -hmm. And I think when we realize like 
you do receive when you give because for for me even like it does increase my faith where i'm like wow god like you actually have thoughts about us and you you have plans and you have purposes and it's not random and i think i'm just always still in this like awestruck idea that god is more real i think than we have any clue yeah yes so um question when you hear god and you have a prophetic word uh, are there times where you still get nervous to give it okay so i'll be totally honest with you like i love releasing words on social media like because i don't even like internet trolls don't bother me it's just like i'll just ignore the comments and mm -hmm. stuff but the times that it's the hardest for me is in like super charismatic or like christian environments especially when like God's when everyone's saying one thing and then God tells me something that kind of is coming the opposite way. Yeah. Um, like literally this last weekend preaching, like everyone is saying this one thing and I was like, okay, I just have to say this other thing. And I could feel the whole room shift where people like didn't like it, but oh, they no. knew it was true. Yeah. And everyone was like, Oh, and I was like, I know, I know. Like, can you feel it? Oh, <laughs> And, and it's always like this tension and I, I've been like really wrestling with the last year that I don't think in this hour you can be a prophet and still have fear of man. The two mm -hmm. are opposing each other so strongly because I do think God is trying to break us into something new. Yeah. And that means some of those former things do have to die. And a lot of times in Christian world, we love those former things, you know? So it's like, that's where I can feel that tension sometimes. Yeah. I saw this great post from this guy um, on Instagram. His name is Isaiah Robin. He's really great. People, you should go check him out. Um, he said, the fact that people hated Jesus, someone who is sinless and perfect, should tell you that there are always going to be people that hate you or disapprove of you, whatever. Uh, yeah. So stop trying to please people and start trying to please God. And that's, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I really like that post because it says basically what you were saying, you know, um, just like we can't, we can't allow ourselves to have fear of man. You know, it's like people hated Jesus too, you know? Um, so. Oh, that's so real. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I think will rob our generation specifically um, especially with like how much we're used to social media oh. and like the like culture and all of that stuff where, mm -hmm. um, there is a direct tension. And I think that for the pureness of what God wants to do in the prophetic movement specifically, um, there is that like dying to the flesh that needs to happen mm -hmm. where, um, it's like, it actually does hurt. Like it's hard when you say stuff and, like I just shared on social media last week that you should be able to tell the difference between a prophetic word and a fortune cookie. Mm. And the reality is, is like, Amen. I know exactly what I can post that will get thousands of shares and likes. Mm. Like I know exactly what to do, but it may not be the thing that God's saying mm, and messages about consecration and holiness and laying down your life and maybe you're not going to be rich and famous like those things are not 
what our flesh likes. And we read about in scripture, like the world loves the tickling of the ears. But the reality is, is like we actually do. Like we want to be told that everything's going to be awesome. And yet we'll like post about like praying for the church in Afghanistan. And we're like, oh, thank God that's not us, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it stings, you know? But I mean, even totally. just that, that process of, of dying to yourself is so uncomfortable. <laughs> like It's the worst. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable, you know? And I went through a season of, you know, a couple of years of, of, of going through a process of that, where it was just like nothing. I didn't feel like really anything was going my way, but it was just a, a process of dying and serving and dying to myself and serving and being obedient, you know? And, um, it is very uncomfortable, but the end result is always, it's always worth it. You know, um, totally, God knows what he's totally. doing. It's like, he's God yeah. or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, he's God. Yeah, you know? <laughs> So, um, but in, in terms of like, when you've been out on the street, say it's just a random person, have there been times where you felt, Ooh, this is, this is a zinger and I have to go give this word, you know, or maybe the person's appearance isn't savory and you're like, are they going to punch me? Have, have there been moments like that? Okay. So first of all, when it comes to like the real salty zingers, those usually like, I feel like for me personally, God like releases to the body mm, yeah, that makes more. Sense. Um, and then usually when I find I'm doing street ministry, it is more of like, like I'll be like crying for someone and get wow. like overwhelmed with compassion for them. Um, like really crazy, radical people that you would never think. And God's all of a sudden like, I love you, blah, blah. And then to the church, he's like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. But there was one time though on the street, this is, so there was a guy sitting on a bench and he had like these teardrop tattoos that meant that he had murdered several mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And God was like, I want you to give him prophetic word. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I went to my husband and I go, Parker, God, I think wants you to give this guy a prophetic word. And Parker was like, no, I think he asked you to That's do that. Awesome. You need to go do it. Yeah. And so I was like, literally shaking, walking over. And I was mm. like, oh gosh, oh gosh. So I walk over to this guy, his name was Mike basically and i had no i was like god tell me the word i had nothing i went up to there with no word just wow. like didn't know what to say and i so awkwardly was like hi sorry i feel like god wanted me to come over to you and he just wanted me to like pray for you and the guy was like what what are you talking about so then i sat down and as i sat down with this guy the moment my like butt hit the bench, mm -hmm. literally all of a sudden God started speaking to me like oh, crazy. Dude. And it wasn't until yeah. I was sitting next to him. Dude. And all of a sudden I started getting all these words for the guy. He starts hysterically crying. Mm. We're both crying on the bench together. Right. He ends oh, up hugging dude. me and he's like, he's like, how are you able to hear from God about this? I end up sharing my testimony with him. This guy ends up getting saved on. on this bench. He had literally just gotten out of prison a week earlier. He told oh, wow. me, 
was living in a halfway house and it was just, I was able to connect him with discipleship in a local church. Like yeah. this whole crazy thing happened. And I was like, and the guy was like a teddy bear after Aww. we talked. And, but I always like love telling that story. Cause I'm like, I definitely did not want to go up to him. Yeah. And was, I literally was shaking the whole time I was talking to him. And mm. then it, it really was like probably one of my favorite encounters ever in my life. And it was like, as I was talking to him, God was just pouring out love mm. on this guy. And I just was like, wow, God, like you really do love your people. And I, I honestly was like, I feel like in eternity, I'm just going to see what really was happening in that moment mm. and could just feel like how proud God was of that moment. Yeah. And it was just like life changing for mm. me. Yeah. And I've, I've had that experience with people too, where it's like you give a word. And sometimes I'm wondering if it's like the weight of the word or what's about to happen or whatever, because I'm normal. I'm, I'm like a very talkative person and outgoing. <laughs> But then I was just like, um, huh, you know, like <laughs> Jesus and blah, blah, you know, um, and it's like, like, what do I do with my hands? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, that's, I think that's great. So we're, man, we're almost out of time, but there's a vision by the pier. It says vision by the pier, all hands on deck. I wanted to get to that last. Yeah. So talk about that. Yeah. So essentially 2015, we're praying and fasting and I'm brought into this vision. And essentially the vision was of thousands of people being baptized in Huntington Beach. And so that's why we moved to California was based on that vision. And in 2020, we were like, well, actually 2019, we we're waiting for this vision to come to pass, praying, praying, doing street evangelism, nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. We're running a house church and it's kind of like whatever and <laughs> it's like i'm like I, this does not look like this vision and 2019 um the lord says just on a normal ordinary day he says green light the harvest begins summer 2020 prepare the nets and so we started meeting with local churches and went out to the beach this is pre-COVID. So a lot of times people will see the pictures from Saturate on Google or news stuff. And they're like, wow, all these people showed up. It's great that they did this in response to COVID. But the reality is we are planning this in 2019. We thought we were doing like a Christian evangelism conference. All of those plans like went in the trash once COVID happened mm -hmm. and God just started to innovate with us. So cool. brought us to the beach and literally thousands of people came from all over. People literally were like, I don't even know how I ended up here. Wow. Like I just, one person said that they heard me from several miles away and I was speaking through a $60 megaphone and they heard me preaching the gospel miles away and rode their bike down wow. um, to see what was happening. And I think that this is just the very beginning, like I shared earlier, of what God's doing. And mm. I think that the worst thing we could do ever is to go back to business as usual, Amen. to go back into our gatherings and just stay within the four walls and just line up in our pew and listen to a good sermon. But I think that 
COVID was the awakening, that wake up call that the church violently needed to oh push goodness. us outside. I agree. And I like, I, I really am feeling like the presence of God right now, just like urgently saying like, don't hide within mm. the four walls. Mm. Like don't go back to business as usual. Okay. Like look up, like lift up your eyes. Like the harvest is available. Yeah. And I think right now there is this acceleration, Jeff. I think if people, especially in our generation, will actually start listening to God for strategies and you may not do it any, like you might not do it like saturate global. God might have a totally different strategy for you specifically for your region. But I actually think if we'll step out in that radical obedience and start risking, I think a lot of us in our generation are going to start to see the supernatural in such an unprecedented way mm. that like, I, I really do think that our generation and Gen Z, we will break this stronghold of the new age movement that's in our Amen. nation. Yeah, like I've seen it. I think there's this like prophetic showdown that's coming. Mm. There's like this Elijah moment. I can feel it literally mm. coming, but it will require us to step up yeah. <laughs> to that altar and to Amen. actually say like, actually, let me show you and demonstrate to you the real God. Yeah. Um. And I think really only our generation and, the, and Gen Z can do this. And yeah. so- um, I, I'm excited and I think it's going to shake up a lot of things and there's going to be a massive harvest when people that are entangled in witchcraft see the real God. Um, but it's exciting and nerve wracking at the same time, oh, totally. you know, like the two are married. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, I think that I see a lot of people that I've talked to. Um, I think even, you know, people in my parents' generation, um, there's a lot of people. It's not, I mean, I've seen plenty of uh, millennials and Gen Z people as well that they just want everything to go back to normal. If we do this and this and this and this, then everything will go back to normal. And I, the thing I keep telling people is that is over, guys. Yes. Like <laughs> the world we knew is gone. Like it's gone. I know too much. I've seen too much. Like I, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But the thing that while you were talking that I heard was the age of discomfort. And I think that that's, that's really where we're at is God is calling yes. us to be uncomfortable and to trust in him. Trusting God is not, it's not always a, a comfortable thing. You know, sometimes if you're in a quiet season and you're having to like trust God with the promise and you're, you're fine in that place, maybe I've had moments like that where I've just been comfortable with trusting God and being patient. But then there are other right. times that I've stepped out. I'm like, do I have pants on? It feels really <laughs> uncomfortable right now, you know? Um, totally, totally. Was, yeah. And there was a quote that you said, I think it was when you were down in San Francisco and I wrote it down just cause I thought it was, it went along with what you're talking about, but it says, I think it was the mercy of God to shut down our buildings, to force us out. We want revival events to feel good, but the reality is that there is no revival until we start giving a crap about what the Lord cares about. And I just, <laughs> I, I really liked that. Um, and it's, yeah, it's basically what you're talking about right now. I, I think. We get so locked in on the building. And I know that I've in the most recent years, I've just become very wearied by unfortunately normal Christianity. What what yeah. the, you know, the, especially in the Western world, what we've deemed as normal Christianity, which is lukewarm Christianity. Totally. And I think what totally. you know, what you're doing and what 
hundreds of other thousands of other people are doing um is testimony to the opposite of that you know so yeah, yeah i i agree with you so much and i almost feel like the new title for the show should be like revival not our way because oh, yeah because yeah. it's like that that is what's happening and you jeff you've hit the nail on the head and i i i just can't emphasize it enough and i just really pray anyone that's watching understands like the lukewarm thing just won't work mm. in what is happening in culture yeah. The culture is so radical in its own nature. Like, look at everything. Everything is extreme. It's hot or cold. Like, everything is intense right now. So to then just be apathetic and lukewarm in your faith, like, it just won't work. Yeah. And I think that it's funny because a lot of times I'll see people quote on Instagram, like, radical Christianity is normal Christianity. And I'm like, Based on what evidence, because our definition of normal Christianity does not look radical at all. Yeah. And we, I think, need to kind of be on the bleeding edge and be a little bit more radical so that it can look like biblical Christianity. Yeah. But what it looks what normal Christianity in America is at this point, it needs a little radicalness. It needs Amen. people to actually to care. I mean. Like, I'll just say this, like, last thing is, like, with the social justice movement and everything that's happening in politics, like, it can be overwhelming, right? Yeah. Like, there are times where I have to take a break from social media because mm -hmm. it's, like, it's same. too much. It's yeah. a lot. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I, I really do follow Jesus, and I believe that he is the king, and he has a plan, and so I can't just like turn it off and ignore the things that are going on. But my response is not what the world is saying how I should respond. Mm -hmm. My response is going to be from another level and it's going to be from a different direction of dealing with things right here. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the issue with revival, right? Is like we want revival to grow our ministries. We want it to build up our churches to explode it outside the doors and increase tithes and offerings. Meanwhile, like revival is probably going to cost you everything and cost you your reputation, maybe even cost you your ministry. But the reality is, is then you'll actually start to change and infiltrate culture. Mm. And so I just am like, we have to understand this. And I love what you said, like what existed in the past like if you're trying to resurrect that thing, you're wasting your breath. Mm -hmm. Like it's time now to, to really enter into that new wine skin that everyone's Amen. talking about, Amen. but yeah, it's, it's going to be different. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think that, I mean, I also, um, I, to go along with all of that, I, I really do feel like God wants to completely crush the whole ideology of progressive christianity as well oh, which is 100%. like it's absolute bunk it's just like <laughs> i just it's so dumb and i um i went to a church when i lived up in portland for a while because i live in oregon um and my wife lauren and i were both just like let's not anymore because it was it was very it was very like that where it was very affirming of where everything that you read in this book was to affirm where you were in life. There wow. was no pursuit of righteousness. There was no obedience to God. It was just 
affirming wherever you're at, affirming your addiction, you know, not overtly affirming your addictions, but that's the way people interpret that, you know, like, yeah, right. it's okay that I sleep around and it's okay that I do this stuff. I love Jesus. I'm like, it's not enough. If your life doesn't look like his, if this <laughs> right. book is not changing your life and you don't look noticeably <laughs> different, you're doing it wrong. And I just, ah, like, <laughs> I get what Jeff, you up. seem passionate about this. No. <laughs> yes. So, um, Jesse, this has been, uh, it's been a treat. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Um, would you pray, yeah. would you pray for people as you feel led? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Holy spirit. I just thank you right now that I feel like right now you're inviting us all deeper. You're inviting us all into just the more that you have for us. And it's not going to look like what we think. And so right now, I actually pray that the spirit of revelation mm. would just fall upon every single one of us, God, right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that we could actually see and actually hear right from your, your throne room, God. I feel like you have strategies and plans that you are waiting, you are on the edge of your seat, waiting to release to a generation that will say, not my will, but mm. your will be done, God, not my way, but your way, God, however you want it to look like. I pray that we would be willing to crucify our flesh, to lay down even the, the ways that we think things work, God. And I thank you right now that we're about to see the greatest rise i think of the prophetic movement yes, that it's going to be this pureness that we're going to demonstrate like elijah the mm. realness of god that the end of the new age movement is right on the it's coming and mm. so right now i thank you for i think this gen z radical remnant that will prove the mysteries of god here on this earth mm -hmm. and if there's any fear of man any people pleasing, any insecurities, any apathy right now, I command those spirits to flee from you in Jesus name. And I pray that you would experience the tangible presence of God and you would know that he is with you. He goes before you and you're not alone. There are thousands of other radicals on this earth that want to link arms with you and go into that revival fire. And so I just release that over you right now in Jesus name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Jesse green. God bless you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jeff. I had yeah. so much fun. Yeah. So how can people follow you? Um, I'm on Instagram, jesse.green, J-E-S-S-I. Um, and then my website's jessiegreen.com. And then our ministry is saturateglobal.com. Mm. And then do you have a YouTube as well? I do. Yep. It's Jesse Green. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so all, all that yeah. stuff is going to be down in the description, everybody. You also have a book. Yes. Yeah. I wrote this book. It's really cool too. There's like journal entries in, in it. So it's kind of a little bit different than Destiny Images normal books. I kind of mm. like push the boundaries a little bit um with it yeah. but yeah i i really wanted to write a book about what it's like to be in the midst of revival um really like gritty stories tried to keep it as raw and transparent as possible because i love revival history but they don't show like the pure emotion of some of the stuff yeah. where i was like okay evan roberts like how did you feel when you like 
fled the Welsh revival or Charles Finney. Like, what did you feel like when everyone was persecuting you? Yeah. So I tried to kind of keep it real so that anyone that's reading it realizes like, okay, like I'm not crazy. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. And here, like, here's actually how to enter into revival and not just talk about it. Like we can't just watch revival anymore. We actually need to like get our hands dirty. And so it's kind of a field guide into that. Mm, Awesome. And are you planning any revival, more revival meetings right now? Yeah, we're actually right in the middle of planning 2022. Um, We just decided as a team this last Monday um, that we are going to go on tour next year. We um, kind of obviously from this whole stream, people have probably gathered at this point that um, we wait on God on what we're going to do. So we've just been, yeah, we've been praying and waiting and asking God for our assignment. Um, I laid down a few weeks ago, saturate and to, to God and said, like, this is finished. What's the next thing? But he asked us to keep going next year. So we're kind of taking it one year at a time. And, um, if you go to saturateglobal.com, within the next month, we'll be releasing the locations, um, how to get involved, how to be a part of the team. So we need people to help it really is like all hands on deck i mean in kentucky we baptize 1800 people so we need people to actually like be in the tanks like dunking people in um because it's just wild so so yeah come be a part (laughs) yeah lincoln is is in the description everybody if you want to get involved go check that out so All right, everybody, that's our show for today. Have a blessed day. Do something you love today and just do it with Jesus. Like, this is the best. Be blessed, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.